0: Out. good uh, to be back in our, in our building and uh, connecting with you all. Um, just for a point of, uh, I guess, maybe clarification to all the wonderful 20-somethings who are doing 90s Night, I noticed in part of the, the promo kind of stuff, uh, the slinky was not invented in the 90s we were a little more sophisticated by then we had electricity and all that kind of cool stuff so i like saw that i'm like slinky really but uh but last sunday was uh, such a great culmination of our our three month journey through the book of mark and uh, through holy week and all that cool stuff but you know what i've really enjoyed is uh this previous week uh, or the uh, week after uh, just being on Facebook, actually, and uh, just seeing a lot of people who just were like commenting about uh, how they were impacted and how how it was just such a cool gathering. But, but the thing that I really, really liked was, you know, on Facebook how it says like so-and-so is now friends with this other person and, and things like that, and seeing that like some of the the nine thirty people are like now friends with the seven o'clock people and and all that. So that that was cool. I'm sure the eleven o'clock. You know, I'm sure you guys connected with some people. And then there was other like uh, different conversations I was having with with folks who would like I'd be talking to them. They're like, oh, I didn't know that. I've known them for years. I didn't know they went here. Really, like hopefully that 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 being part of this place kind of doesn't end begin and end on on the, on the hour you know that we're here on sundays that hopefully that that permeates through your life and and things like that so uh hopefully you know you know other people that may not necessarily go to the gathering that that you go to and uh so but it was a it was a tremendous sunday it was a, it was a lot of fun i think it really honor Jesus and and our community and just uh, all the thank you for all the hard work that a lot of you put into just uh, making that a really special day so uh today you know we have a little it's kind of like uh just uh, kind of a free Sunday for me you know we're not in a series uh, we have baptisms next week and so I, really you know I just got to just like all right God you know what what are we going to talk about today and, and things like that and, and I there were some ideas that, that were left over from Mark that, that I was kind of just musing through. And and uh, then I looked at Acts, which is basically the, uh, the church forming, and came with some other questions out of that. And I just wanted to kind of talk about those things today. We uh, ended up last week with Mark chapter 16, and this is what Jesus said. One of the last things he said, as Mark recorded on earth, he said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Basically, have eternity outside of the presence of God. And, you know, I didn't have time to talk about this last Sunday, but you know this whole idea of uh, believes and be baptized. And some some uh, people understand that, hey, you know, I got to believe, and for me to actually receive salvation, I need to be, you know, baptized. And this is not what Jesus is saying. That that Jesus, just like how it, uh, other places in Scripture says, those who believe and confess with their mouth that that this is, this is an external manifestation of what has happened in somebody's life. But there is still the, the utmost importance of, of, you know, Jesus saying, look, you need to believe, in, and in, in the Greek that actually that believe means believe and follow, follow me, and to, you know, publicly, you know, say, hey, I am a follower of Christ, that I am part of the, of the church of Jesus Christ. And so I thought, well, you know, let's look in the other Gospels. What did Matthew and Luke, uh, how did they record? You know, what aspect of Jesus' last words did they record? Well, Matthew 28 says, Jesus came to his disciples and says, "...I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit." Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I had given you, and be sure of this I am with you always, even until the end of the age. So now, you know, we have Matthew recording uh, the aspect of what Jesus said, you know, reiterating the importance of, hey, believe and baptize people, but also this understanding that there's meant to be this teaching and bringing into community and uh, that this is really important to Jesus. And this is what Luke wrote. It said, It is also written that this message would be proclaimed uh, in the authority of His name to all nations. Beginning in Jerusalem, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. So, we have this understanding that that, you know what, it was really, really important for Jesus to kind of commission those who are followers of him, to commission them to, to go out and to share his message to other people. Now, this is all kind of manifested 40 days later uh, during a talk that, that uh, Peter was giving, given, and that's found in Acts chapter 2. And Peter writes this, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and your children and even the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. And Luke's actually writing this out, uh, this part of of Acts, and I love what he writes next. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. From Luke's perspective, he went on and on and on. But he's like, you know what? Here's the, here's the crust of, the, of of his uh, talk. He said, he strongly urged all his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. Then those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. So, obviously, in this 40 days that, that passed from Jesus ascending into heaven, from Jesus saying, look, followers of me, as I go into heaven, that, you know what? You're it. I am commissioning you guys. I'm commissioning you as ambassadors of me that you are going to be the conduit of God's love and grace to this world. You know, our ambassadorship, in a, in a political sense, if you were appointed an ambassador by President Obama to another country, that, that you would actually be a, represent, a, a uh, representative, thank you, of, of our country, that you would be the official representative of our country to another country. And, and this is what we are called to do as followers of Christ. And over the past three months, that we've been asking ourselves two questions. The first question, who is Jesus? Who do you say he is? And by you still being here I, and, and going through Easter Sunday, I would imagine that the vast majority of us say, you know what, we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God that He died for our sins, and that He is the path to having a restored relationship with our Father in heaven. But what about the second question? What does it mean? What does it mean for us to follow Him? And one of the the answers uh, uh, to this really important question, if we really believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and we believe that you know, during his last words that he chose to speak about us being ambassadors, for us being, you know, those who go out and tell people about, about God's love, that this is a very, very important aspect of our faith. To, to be the hands and feet, here we say the tangible hand of God to, to show his love to people who may not know him. So today we're going to spend most of our time that in, in 2 Corinthians and I think that Paul does a really good job kind of bridging the gap between the ascension of Jesus and what, what the disciples actually did to see such a, a big harvest just 40 days later. To see so many people understand that they were separated from God but, but God loved them so much that he sent his only son so, he would, so they could have the opportunity to reunite with him, to have that relationship with him. So in chapter 5, Paul begins this way. He says, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. Now, you may be sitting there going, well, what do you mean our fearful responsibility? What? What's all that about? Well, Really, the, this idea is that, that someday, especially in Paul's mind, it was crystal clear that someday, after we assume room temperature and we're standing in, in front of Jesus, that, that you know what, we, Jesus is going to ask us, hey, what did you do with the time that I gave you? And for some of us, you know, that we won't get such a great report. And then the other of us, and this is hopefully what motivates us uh, as followers of Christ, that that we want to hear, as recorded in Scripture, we want to hear these words, Well done, my good and faithful servant. And that we are motivated to, to please Jesus in, in what we do. As ambassadors, we want... You know, that Jesus will say, you know what, you were a great ambassador of me. That, that you represented me well. Now, sometimes we can get confused here and we're like, well, what does that mean? What does it mean to represent Jesus well? Does that mean that I have to be a, become a pastor? Does that mean that I have to, you know, stand on a street corner and yell at people who are passing by? You know, what exactly does that mean? And in Ephesians 2.10, I think that we have this, this beautiful little nugget that we are told that, you know what, you are God's masterpiece. Created anew in Christ Jesus to do the things that he had planned for you long ago. Now, what, what are some things that are true about masterpieces? Well, One, masterpieces are completely unique, aren't they? That, that, you know, if, if you, you know, you have the Mona Lisa, but you can also, you know, you can get that on postcards and, and you can get that in posters and you can see it on the internet and all sorts of stuff. You can see reproductions of, of, of that classic work. But they are not the masterpiece. The masterpiece is that unique original, and it's completely different and what what is fantastic about it is 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 different from every other work of art every other masterpiece and the same is true for us that you know what you as a unique masterpiece may or may not be called to be a full-time vocational pastor or an evangelist or a prophet or 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 any of these things that you and you being created into a masterpiece most likely for the vast majority of people who are followers of Christ is, is living in the marketplace. To having a, a ministry to, to, to people who may never ever hear about Jesus or ever hear about him, at least in a meaningful and understandable way. And that that your created your your unique crafting could look like being a, a mechanic or, or a painter or a bank exec or, or all sorts of different things. In fact, the possibilities are limitless. And that's the cool thing about art. That's the cool thing about being a masterpiece is that, that you know what? We know it when we see it. And Jesus is saying, look, you know, you you are to go out and 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 to be my ambassador, to be my representation, and to be unique, uniquely you, and not trying to be, you know, a cookie cutter form of somebody else. And it goes on and says, God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No. We are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. And Paul's going on to say, look, the authenticity of this is absolutely vital. That that trying to reproduce something that somebody else did, reproduce their calling, reproduce their them being a masterpiece is is no value. In fact, you know what, if you think about that, if if you know we we copy a piece of paper, you know, we, we copy the moment Lisa onto another piece of paper, that that piece of paper is essentially now worthless. But what if another artist would have used that piece of paper to create something new, a, a new piece of art a new masterpiece something that became priceless and that's the opportunity that each and every one of us our lives represent that we represent this this new canvas we represent this new potential to allow the master artist create us to be a masterpiece and that manifests itself in so many different ways. And Paul talks about it it this way, and I love how he talks about it. He says, if it seems we are crazy, it's to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. How does that work out? How does that manifest itself? Well, it manifests itself in in so many different ways that that so often when you you see somebody living out what what God has called them to do that it doesn't make a whole lot of sense and sometimes it seems absolutely crazy i've been a pastor for for about 10 years now and i've i've seen a lot of people just kind of grab onto this idea of being a masterpiece and being unique and a unique creation in Jesus and 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 what it means for them to follow God what what manifests out of that and i have seen people sacrifice and and live in in lesser homes because they feel that that God has called them to do that so in order for them to be able to give more significantly to the church or to a ministry. And, and I've also heard the other side of that. I've heard people say, you know, so and so's crazy. Why would they sacrifice that way? You know, I think about, about the Monroes. You know, Lloyd used to go to work every day and he would see his, his name, Monroe, on a building as he went to go be a lawyer each and every day. And God, God, called him away from, from his practice to go live within the, uh, with the indigenous and expats in, in Guatemala. I mean, just from the outside world standpoint, that's crazy. Why would you do that? And Paul's saying, look, you know what? We are all going to be called as unique masterpieces to do things that other people might think is crazy. I don't think that was correct English, but you know what I mean. That, that, you know, you may be called to do things that people are just not going to understand. and In fact, they might think that you're crazy. And Paul's saying, but if I act in a rational, sane matter, it is solely for your benefit. In essence, saying, who really is my audience? Is my, my audience for, for those around me? Or do I have an audience of one? And then he, he goes on in verse 14, says, either way, <laughs> just whatever, <laughs> Christ's love controls us either way. Whatever you think, if you think I'm crazy, if you think I'm sane, it really doesn't matter because Christ's love controls me and my actions. And then he goes in and and, and, and he gives us the beliefs, the beliefs, the, the, the centralized beliefs of our faith. Number one thing he says, since we believe that Christ died for all, Christ died for all that this this is an essential truth to our faith. If you look up all and you look at that in the original Greek and and you and you pull out that 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 meaning, you will find out that all means all yeah everybody i mean it's this great significant theological truth that that not so-and-so, not this person or that group or, or this, you know, type of person or if they were born here. Christ died for all. In fact, in Colossians 3.11, uh, Paul writes this, In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric. For the barbarians here, this is good news. Uncivilized. So if you do not know which fork to use with your salad, you're good. You're still, Christ will take you. My wife won't, but Christ will. (laughs) Slave or free, Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. So here's the kind of coming out of Easter and, and kind of forming our ideas of what it means to be a follower of Christ and be ambassador of Him is, is how we look at people. That, that, that You know what? Christ died for everyone. We, continuing on, second core belief, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. Those of us who... Our followers of Christ, that we believe that we died to our old life. That means our our brokenness, our hurt, our pain, our addictions, all of these things. That that we are new creation. That those things no longer control us. That we have been given freedom over those things. That's the big just wonderful uh, uh, symbolistic part of baptism is this idea when we go under that we're dying to self and we're coming up as a new creation in Christ and the old things are gone and now we are this new blank canvas ready to be created into this masterpiece that God has envisioned us to be. So he says, look, that old life is gone. And then in Galatians chapter five, he kind of talks about what our old life, you know, kind of represented our, our life that that uh, just living on our own, trying to just make it through life, what, what, you know, a life outside of the power that has been given to us for the Holy Spirit. And basically it comes out that our old life, this is what used to result, that that we would have sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these, basically, you know, in this list that these are things that that you know what we would not want to be the identifiers of us like if somebody was talking about us we wouldn't want them to say yeah they're prone to outbursts of anger they're selfish they're envious they're drunk all the time they're jealous they're a sorcerer <laughs> you know i mean none of these things are good these are not what we want to be and in verse 15 going back to second corinthians He continues on and says, He died for everyone, there it is again, so that those who receive His new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun so what are the what are the manifestations? what are the the fruits As those of us who are followers of christ what what is meant to be manifested in our lives as ambassadors? As an ambassador of Jesus Christ, when they look at us, what what are the things that we're meant to show as a representation of who Jesus is? Well, the first one is love. That as ambassadors of Christ, that we should display love for people. Joy. 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 We should be happy, not happy, but joyful, like through any circumstance. Unfortunately, so often that, you know, instead of being born again, a lot of people think about Christians as being born against. That, that we're, we're born against, you know, they, they look at us and they know us for the things that we're, we're against. We're, you know, against this politically and that politically, and we're against this people group and that people group. But we should be known for our joy, for for us being able to have a constant hope that transcends our circumstance. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That these are the the things that, as ambassadors of Christ, that, that we should be known for. Paul continues on and says, All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. That we are to reconcile, to bring back together, to restore the relationship. For years and years and years, I've been saying that life comes down to having a right relationship with God and a right relationship with people. That we are meant to be people who reconcile. To reunite those relationships that truly matter. We no longer count people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Verse 20, so we are Christ's ambassadors. For better or for worse. How we represent Christ as how people see Jesus. So when we speak for Christ, we plead, when we're speaking for Christ, when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. We as followers of Christ have been tasked with the with proclaiming the good news, the gospel, to uh, letting people know that you know what? That there is freedom, that there is a, a, a place where there is acceptance, that God does love them. You know, the New Testament all the way through constantly reaffirms this idea that we are all ministers, that we are all pastors. I think one of the Worst things that has happened to the 21st century church, and it, it actually happened, you know, the 19th and 20th century, was this idea that that we as a church, everyone who's included in the church, everyone who is a follower of Christ, that that somehow we lost sight that we are all ministers. And that we started to think that you know what, only the people who are full-time vocational are the pastors. That, that it's not legitimate unless uh, a vocational pastor is part of it. And this is one of the greatest lies that's been appropriated uh, onto the church. It is be- one of these things that has, has rendered the church without hands and without feet, sometimes without eyes, without without a mouth, without ears, because somewhere along the line, we forgot that you know what? The vocational pastors aren't the only pastors, but we are all pastors. We are all ministers. I think that... Uh, the impact of this is actually really illustrated in Facebook. That, that basically there are people in your life that I will probably never have the opportunity to meet or be an ambassador of Christ to, but God has uniquely placed them and trusted them around you. That, that you are the ambassador, that you are the masterpiece of Christ that they see. And if you go on Facebook, and I was on there this morning, and I was just kind of thinking about this idea, so I thought I would fire up uh, Facebook and and see somebody who, who had recently um, made a post on Facebook, and I would just click on them and use them as an example this morning. And Rebecca Abbott won. Uh, which I guess is no real surprise if you know Rebecca. Uh, but Rebecca has 395 friends on Facebook. That the, These are people that she has coffee with at least once a week. She's intimately involved with their lives, I and mean, she's an amazing person. Uh, I actually, my mind started going, I'm like, I wonder what the average person on Facebook, how many friends that they, do they have? 130. So she's hitting it out of the park, as far as friends go. She has a lot of friends. The other thing, cool thing about Facebook is if you click on their profile, then it'll show you how many friends that you have in common. Uh, Rebecca Abbott and I have 84 friends in common. So there's 84 people who potentially are being ministered to from, by Rebecca and me, that we are ambassadors. That means that there's 311 people who know Rebecca who do not know me. They don't know what they're missing. So, uh, and that potentially means that, you know what? Rebecca may be the only ambassador of Christ that, that they ever encounter. She may be the only one who's living out these, these attributes of, of of a person who is a follower of Christ to making the appeal to letting them know in a meaningful and understandable way that Jesus loves them. And in order for us to go forward into the future to be able for our church to live out the vision that God has for this place, that that we have to... Reject the idea that Pastor Eric or me or Pastor Dan or Trace or or we are the ministers of this place. We are a minister among many ministers. In that you have been uniquely created to do the things and to be the ambassador to people that Trace or me or Pastor Eric may never, ever meet. And if my prayer could be anything at this point moving forward, is somehow that we are able to internalize that idea as saying, you know what? I don't need to be commissioned by Mark because i have already been commissioned by jesus christ and that's all the authority that you'll ever need you guys pray with me dear lord i just pray that you will fill us with a passion to share your love with those who desperately need it God, I pray that we will walk away from the things that have previously enslaved us and that we will boldly go into the future as free women and men, no longer in bondage to our past, that we are new creations, that we are new canvases, new clay, waiting to be formed into a masterpiece of your choosing. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.